0: You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 97. You
1: know what? Maybe for the 100th episode, we can just hire someone with like a really good radio voice to do that intro. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. <laughs> um, we hired job security. <laughs> you guys hired me to do the intro. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, like the intro said so eloquently. This is the North Peace (laughs) Roundtable Podcast. My name's Andrew. With me, as always, is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And we've got three more episodes till our 100th extravaganza. I think we should do a 24-hour podcast for our 100th. Just a marathon.
2: Sheesh. That'd be kind of fun, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I'm busy that day. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, book, it. book, yeah, book it. it, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're new to the podcast, we record this every week and talk about <clears throat> um, different things related to the Bible and Christianity, different questions that come in. Uh, you'll have to excuse my voice a little bit. Uh, completely lost it uh, on Sunday afternoon, preached two sermons and then got done and was like, well, no. instead of preaching your heart out you preach your voice out preach my voice out and so now it's coming back slowly but if you hear me hacking up a lung that's why but it's not covid don't worry does anyone care about that anymore Uh, (laughs) so today's topic it was my turn uh to pick the topic this morning and so we are going to once and for all settle the debate that has been raging for two thousand years um (laughs) we want to well, I think it's actually a very interesting conversation. <clears throat> so this could be either be a very short episode or a very long episode. Who knows? But um, how I'm trying to think. How do I word this? When we look at the Bible, how does God's sovereignty, his you know providence, his control of things, how does that go hand in hand with our free will? So a couple of like side questions to kind of flesh that out. Uh, You know, if God is sovereign, if he really is in control, then does that mean I don't have free will? I'm just a robot. Like I'm all my decisions are pre-programmed. Everything's, you know, figured out for me and I just kind of go through the system. Am I living in the matrix kind of thing? Like, am I just a machine? Um, Or on the flip side of that, okay, if I have free will and my decisions actually matter, then is God sovereign? Like, Is he in control? Is he all knowing? Does he know my decisions before I make them? Like just trying to wrestle through um, those two seemingly contradictory ideas that God is fully in control and yet I have free will. I don't know. Have you guys ever wrestled with that before or has it been one of those things that you're like, yep, I don't know and I don't care or.
1: I think I've, re- I've wrestled with it more after you said we were going to do this podcast than I probably ever have in my life. <laughs> nice. And I don't, when I say that though, I don't think, um, I'm going to, I'm going to preface that by saying, I think usually when we talk about these things, we view people as landing in either one of the two camps is that God is sovereign over everything or our free will is completely... Or not completely but where it's autonomous from god's sovereignty sure in some aspect and i think we if you speak at all like the one side we just place each other in those extreme camps i think i would say i just tried to like for me it's been a wrestle in my own humanity to understand how both of those things can be at once if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah totally Cam, how about you? Have you wrestled with this in the past, or just yes. since I sent the text on no, no actually. Monday or whatever? <laughs> yeah,
2: no, it's been um, it's been on my mind for a while. There's other folks, obviously in our in our um, community, who have wrestled with this, and uh, yeah, I remember first wrestling with it um, 15 years ago, just thinking about family. Who I right. think I had a family member pass away, and of course it was like well why didn't they you know um yeah in my perception come to a saving knowledge of jesus before they passed away right like why not yeah i, I went <clears throat> further on to think of family today who you know have gone through the motions but it just doesn't seem like they're it just doesn't seem like they are bought in at all and so that gets you thinking like well what's the difference how come it appears as though i or or other family just you know accept you're in you you just you're there Mm -hmm. you are worshiping god in a way that is meaningful and then someone beside you might not although they've been exposed to the same opportunity yeah so i think that's where (coughs) for me it started and then, of course, yeah, wrestling. What is sovereignty? And then, what is free will? Yeah, it's funny that you say the Matrix because <laughs> it is a movie, and it's 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 quite a fascinating movie. But if you, th- that could actually be a decent metaphor if you broke it down, because even within that, folks living in this Matrix, they had an ability to choose whether they're gonna. Yeah. You know, right. W- th- w- there was still this. Um, Chosen group of folks who were able <laughs> To determine whether they wanted To buy in or whether they wanted to push <coughs> Against and be different so it's actually a funny Yeah that's funny thing that you bring that up Because
0: we'll do a new sermon series the gospel According to the matrix, the gospel according <laughs> to matrix. <laughs>
2: Who is your Neo Who is your Neo <laughs> Jesus is your Neo um, But it's hilarious because there are Those two camps even within that fictional oh, Movie of man. those who just are the robotic go Along with the flow Yeah and those who choose otherwise. So
0: I think it'd be good maybe to do some defining of what we mean by, you know, God's providence or his sovereignty and then what we mean by free will.
1: That's a good place to start. And then yeah.
0: even like biblically to kind of show, you know, this is where we're pulling this stuff from. Um, for me, that my my journey with this whole like um, topic probably was about, yeah, f- 12, 15 years ago, something like that. Just started, you know, reading, uh, you know, Reformed theology, reading Calvin and Luther and all these old dead guys and being really fascinated with how they processed the Bible. And then uh, there was a guy at my church in Maple Ridge um, who, you know, what uh, I hate l- labeling people, but he would be on the opposite side of me of where I kind of landed, and we would have really heated, interesting debates about that kind of stuff right so you know i would bring up the point that according to the bible it seems like god's kind of in control of everything and then he would automatically go oh even the holocaust god was in control of that Mm. he was and it'd be like oh yeah man like you gotta wrestle through some some stuff like you know what i mean so he yeah that's where my mind started turning and trying to to land on some of these things so maybe to start a good uh definition i guess of providence because i think sometimes in you and me Corlin talked about this like we use providence and sovereignty kind of interchangeably yeah like um we say well yeah god's sovereign or god's providential i think providence is a more fitting word when we're talking about this kind of thing Mm because god's sovereignty basically means like it's his right to rule and reign because he's the creator he's sovereign like if you think about a king yeah right a king is sovereign over his land he has the right to do as he pleases he's the king right yeah so that would be sovereignty providence is more like god's involvement in his creation meaning like god keeps things existing he directs things to fulfill their purposes he cooperates with his creation meaning like he's not hands off it's not as if god like You know, uh, on the seventh day, he rested literally like he's just kind of crossing his hands and he's not involved in anything. He's just letting it happen. Mm -hmm. God's providence would be like, uh, no, he's very involved. Um, A couple of verses that I think clearly say that, Um, you know, Hebrews 1 3. He is the rate. This is speaking of Jesus. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So the idea that Jesus is actually upholding the universe, whatever that means, right? And then Colossians 1:17 says a similar thing. Speaking of Jesus, he's before all things and in him, all things hold together. So this idea of like Jesus is actively holding things together. Um, Paul in Acts 17 says a similar thing. He says, speaking of God, he's actually not far from each one of us for in him, we live and move and have our being. So you and I are living and breathing and we move and we have our being in In him, in him. Like he's actively holding us together. Right. Um, I'm not going to read all of it, but Nehemiah nine talks about God is preserving all of us. Meaning like he's keeping us alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Job is an interesting one. Job 34 says, if he God should set his heart to it and gather to himself, his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So this idea of like God all of a sudden said, you know what? I'm going to just remove my spirit from the earth. Job says everything would die, (laughs) which is an interesting thought. Like, so it's God, um, keeping us alive, keeping us breathing. He's holding the universe together. And I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, Job 37 talks about God telling the snow where to go and when the rain's supposed to fall. Psalm 135, God does as he pleases in the earth um psalm 104 says god causes the grass to grow um job 12 says he makes nations great he destroys nations he enlarges nations he leads them away um you know in the proverbs there's lots about you know the lot is cast but every decision is from the god from the god (laughs) from god so it's the idea of like you you know you roll a dice okay i got a six and proverbs is saying actually that decision comes from God. Actually, God got a six. Yeah, uh, even Proverbs 21, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. God turns it wherever he wants. He turns the king's heart
2: as he pleases. I like Exodus 4, who has made man's (laughs) mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Deuteronomy says, um, see now that I, even I am he, and there's no God beside me, I kill and make alive, I wound and I heal, there's none that can deliver you out of my hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kind of explicit. Um,
0: (laughs) Acts 17, talking about nations on earth, it says, God has determined allotted periods and boundaries of all of their dwelling places. So the fact that Canada has boundaries, God determined what our borders were going to be and how long we're going to last as a nation. Like the nation of Rome, God decided how long they would last as a nation and how far they're. Uh, Yeah. So, like, I mean, on and on and on. We could, I think it's. Fair to say the Bible pretty explicitly <laughs> uh, talks about God being in control. I don't know. Thoughts, Corlin or Cameron? Like,
2: There's only a few verses I've heard in con- <laughs> in contrast to that where folks would be like, well, see, like, you know, in Genesis 6, you know, the Lord was sorry that he had made man and grieved his heart. And these sure, are some yep. of the examples used is, uh, in Exodus 32. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Yep samuel a couple times i've regret that i made saul king um for his turn his back from following me so i've heard those examples as a. but see like is you know was that the plan or does god right, right. or re- even
1: re- moses changing god's mind on yeah. Mount sinai those kinds of examples i've heard used
2: yeah or the wrestling over you know sodom and Gomorrah and those who are righteous yep. and, and i think that that is a Really neat example of sovereignty, ver- sovereignty versus like, I don't know, this love relationship and, and this will. Like, uh, did God know that those folks would be saved? Absolutely, but I think it's almost like He gave space and room for man to like wrestle through exercise it there, yeah. and wrestle through the tension of of what's determined. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I think um, too, it gets uh, really fascinating. When it even comes to our salvation as well, like God seems to be sovereign and providential. Uh, and I won't read all of them, but there's a bunch of examples that you go, Oh, that's fascinating. Like, uh, so we're right now, just to remind you, right now we're focusing on the God's in control side. We'll get to in a little bit, like free will, you choosing and making decisions and stuff like that. But I mean, you read examples where you're like, Okay, God seems to be quite in control of even our salvation like that's fascinating like acts 13 it says you know the gospels preached and then it says when the gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed so you go that's interesting like those people (laughs) who believed they were appointed to eternal life fascinating i mean romans 8 talks about god uh those whom whom those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those who pre- he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. Um, Ephesians 1 says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before God created everything, he chose us. That we would be holy and blameless in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus. Uh, First Thessalonians, we know, brothers loved by God, that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you. Um uh, second Thessalonians, we give thanks for you, brothers, beloved by Lord, because God chose you. Second Timothy 1 9, He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Um, first Peter 1, uh, He writes to the elect exiles. First Peter 2 says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy name. I mean, like, on and on and on. There's all these examples. Lydia is a really good example, like. Paul is preaching and it says Lydia is listening and it says, and God opened her heart so that she would believe. And you go, so God's kind of got his fingers it's, in yeah, it. Yeah. It, like, it would
1: be interesting. Yeah. Cause obviously if God opened her heart to be able to hear it, he has a hand in those things, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to deny those things when you read them that plainly.
0: So then how, okay. So we won't read anymore. Cause I mean, uh, Honestly, the Bible is just stock full of example after example after example of God being providential, you know, working things out, uh, his plan coming to pass uh, and on and on. So then how does that not make us like robots? Like, you know, you read if you would just read those examples, you would you would think, you know, that the the danger would be none of my decisions matter. Yeah. I am pre-programmed to do everything, and th- so then God is God. Even loving is he even caring? Because he's just what he's just you know moving his little toys around. And the and universe. I would say it's, that
1: that is like to the far extent a danger if you were to. I I don't even want to say follow that the line of thought that God is has his providence over everything. I don't even want to say that it's a dangerous line of thought if you keep going down that path. Cause I would argue that that line of thought, the like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just pre-programmed, blah, blah, blah. I would argue that that's actually a different track entirely. Cause it's not yeah, how God I agree. designed us. Um, and I don't think, I mean, there are some people out in the world who would believe that because of God's sovereignty and his providence, that then they don't actually have to go out and evangelize because you know, yep. those people would just come to Christ anyways. And I would say that that's, wrong yeah, incredibly wrong totally. and that's
2: that's the far extent of like calvinism when where people get hung up on you know sure when you use words like god chooses right away their mind goes so oh my goodness you're you're that far leaning like yeah. where there's nothing and that's where for myself i would i i don't mind living in the tension <laughs> between armenianism and calvinism because i kind of like you know I kind of like the definition the other way, where like God has chosen based on an element of knowing how a person's going to respond to the gospel. And that's, I know that's, could, you could fall into that the other way also. Sure. But I like being in that tension better towards the middle. Yeah. Because it, it just speaks more to, I don't know, like answering a call. And there's enough like, you know, there's so many Jonah-esque stories yeah. of like you've been called and you have wrestled the response, but ultimately you chose and I heard it defined it as a, in a marriage metaphor once where it's like, you know, your wife's kind of got she knows what you're going to be doing this weekend. And uh, you, you know, you're pushing back, saying, "No, I'm actually going to be cleaning the garage." No, you're going to be doing the lawn, and over the next couple of days, she's <laughs> gonna yeah. See. You have free will, but your wife is predetermined what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> and then by Friday, the husband's like, "You know, I think I'm going to do the lawn." And a like, good idea, honey. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, wait, I, am I a robot in my own <laughs> marriage? <laughs> so that was the one funny. Uh, <laughs> I think it was like comedic, uh, pastor being funny. Where yeah, yeah. He talked about that relationship, but then. If you remove the humor behind it, it's like, well, it's a loving marriage. It's not wrong. It's like this is what, yeah, is going to happen. Um, but that then then does leave uh, incredible yeah. choice and 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 an opportunity for a person to. And I I think that's an interesting conversation. Then does that person have the ability to say no? Like I'm not sure. going to be elected. I'm not I'm not choosing this calling this this yeah. salvation that you've offered me.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, I agree with you Corlin like those kind of uh, it's like we say okay if God's sovereign and providential over everything then we make massive leaps and assumptions that you you're going beyond what the Bible says so even like you know okay so okay you read uh, two dozen verses that God's in control then I guess it means I don't have any free will and I guess it means I'm a robot and I guess it means we don't have to evangelize because God's And what you're doing there is you're taking a truth, God is sovereignly in control of everything, and then you're making massive assumptions and jumps to these other things that I would go, no, that's wicked and evil over there. Yeah. No one's saying that, right? Well, Um, not no one. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Sorry. People who say that have gone way beyond. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Like, you have to stay really close to what the Bible teaches and not just jump to these kind of assumptions and, and what we think are necessary conclusions. So um, this, this makes me think
1: there's other issues, not (coughs) issues. That's the wrong way to put it. There's other topics in scripture that make me think of this, but especially this debate around (laughs) God's providence or free will, it makes me think I, I might butcher the name, but it makes me think of the ship of Theseus. Have you guys ever heard of that? It's a thought experiment where you have a boat. It is built. It's a beautiful boat. But over the course of time, that boat has every single part replaced in that boat. At what point, if ever, is it not the same boat? Well, it's still the same boat because you're just replacing parts. But also, it's not the same boat because it's got all new part. But like, it's a thought experiment where it's what's called a paradox. It's not actually a contradiction. Um, And I think that's helped me kind of sit in attention with these things because um, I, th- we, we as people love yes or no true or false answers. And so even the way that uh, not to rag on it, but even the way the education system produces information for us that we learn, you either get a right answer or you get the wrong answer. Sure. You can't have two right answers. Because even the amount of times that I was told as a, as a kid in school, you got the right answer, but you didn't show your work, so you're wrong entirely. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> but what I, what I think is important is to hold it as a paradox, not as a contradiction. So first of all, I'll say that because God is, I think... Both people on both sides of this debate would say that we believe that God is bigger than us, that he is outside of creation, that he is outside of us. And so I think that that automatically puts us at a, with quotation marks, disadvantage to understand how he operates because sure. we are not him and we will never be him. Sure. And so we just can't understand all of those things. Um, but there's a really good quote by Parker Palmer about uh, paradoxes. And I think this is a good Good place to start with, like, trying to fish out that tension and figure out where we should land. Uh, So a paradox is a statement that seems self-contradictory, but in reality may express a possible truth that I cannot see from my limited perspective. Niels Bohr, the Nobel Prize-winning physicist, said it is this way. The opposite of a correct statement is a false statement, but the opposite of a profound truth may be another profound truth the spiritual journey proceeds with a trembling confidence that God's truth is too large for the simplicity of either or it can only be apprehended or sorry, it can be apprehended only by the complexity of both. And, Hmm. and so I think what he's saying there to narrow it down is that I don't think when it comes to this issue that you, that it's actually even healthy as Christians to place people 100%. Obviously there are people that I would argue place themselves there. Sure. But if someone comes forward with beliefs that lean more Arminius than Calvinist yeah. to just place them as a characterized version in your head of like the utmost, whatever you could think of as being the worst of that side or same for Calvinists. I don't actually think that's healthy because scripture seems to be pretty comfortable with the tension of both actively working themselves out. Yeah. And we get to deal with that. So
0: yeah, I would, <clears throat> I agree with you. But I think, too, I don't think it necessarily means you have to be, like, compromise and be in the middle. Because, nope. like, I, I think sometimes uh, we do just we do just cling to caricatures and things that aren't true. Like, oh, you're an Arminian? That must mean that you don't think God is sovereign. And that's actually not true. Yep. Arminians do mm-hmm. think that. They just have a different view of that. Yep. Or I've heard, you know, as someone who leans more towards Calvinism and Reformed theology, it's like, oh, so you think you have no free will. It's like, no, actually, all Calvinists believe in free will. It's just different from how you would view it, right? Yeah. Like, So I know that's not what you meant, but I just wanted to clarify in yep. case no, I was going like, good. oh, I have to like compromise and be in the middle. No, I think what we're saying is if you go too far down either path, yes. that's where it's like uh yeah on one hand if you go way too far down the arminian side of this debate it's well god's not sovereign and he doesn't know the future and he's not in control and if you go way too far down the calvinist side to hyper calvinism and angry calvinism is what i jokingly call it Mm -hmm. well then yeah i don't have to evangelize to anybody and actually i rejoice that people go to hell and and there's like that's not what the bible teaches that's so i think you can have convictions but yep. exactly what you're saying, it's just being really careful, like, that you don't go too far down a path that leads you to things that aren't biblical anymore, yeah. right? Like,
1: and, and so I actually, I would also say then that having fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ around you with opposing views is actually a healthy thing on topics like this because it can help you uh we, we spur each other on. We are metal on metal. So even, like you said, have your convictions. It's important yeah. to do. We want to have good and accurate theology. But I would argue that, especially on stuff like this, we need each other to to help us sit in that tension well, right? Not Not mm-hmm. making compromises. But to actually navigate what these things mean and what they look like, right? Mm-hmm. No no single person on this earth will ever understand these to the utmost degree. So we need each other to understand it as best we can.
2: Yeah. I think that part of the issue and the challenge is that when folks think that, you know, when folks think that everyone is called, there's almost more pressure on an individual to, like, take the position of the holy spirit through evangelism and conviction to to <coughs> sure. bear responsibility for like now if everyone is called then and i don't I, and i see them living outside of that call then the pressure's on me cuz i saw them living out, like i have to go and we have to go and save them yeah like almost put them in front of god and remind god of them hmm. and it's like well that actually contradicts f- f- with far more scripture than than uh, what you m- may think is a, uh, a foundation for that framework of thinking and I, and, and that's where you see our Arminia, Arminianism uh, go way too far because it's like sure uh, no <laughs> uh, it's not your I don't know I just it's not your responsibility but I've seen people carry that weight far too yeah heavy and then it contradicts the the nature of god also because they're often conflicted as to like well why hmm. uh do would they go to hell why would they not see god well it's because we didn't show them god yeah and it's that's not what we see is mm-hmm. our position yeah it actually yeah. like it it uh
0: if you trust in god's providence providence and sovereignty it removes a huge weight from you. Not a weight that goes, sweet, I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. It but removes a wi- the
1: weight not a responsibility. <clears throat> no,
0: but a weight of like, I'm not their savior. I'm going to go share Jesus with them. And if they choose to reject God, that's not, that's not on me. Like God is clearly not calling them at this moment. I keep praying that God would.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we pray for all people that God would call. And yet I know Charles Spurgeon said like, I don't have the list of who's in heaven. I don't know. I just preach the gospel to everybody and like, yeah. please come to Jesus. Yeah. And yet I've, it's amazing. I've, I've been able to be involved. I hate saying like leading people to the Lord cause it's God, but I've been the one who's been like sharing it. And I mean like, man, you can tell when God is opening people's eyes. I've sat in this office and you can see people and the wheels are turning and they go, it's true. Jesus yeah. is. God. And you're like, How could that not be God opening your eyes and drawing you? And then I've had people who are like, yeah, it sounds great, but it's just not for me. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to keep praying for you. And hopefully God opens your eyes. Like It removes the the burden of I'm not your savior. I don't have to be. My job is just faithfully share Jesus
2: with everybody. Because I don't believe you can intellectually convince (laughs) someone that God exists. Yeah, I don't believe alone you could have that conversation. (laughs) And there's been books, and I don't remember the guy's name. You probably have it on your shelf somewhere, who did the investigative journalism and found yeah, right. God Lee Strobel. Yeah, Lee Strobel. Settle down, Lee. Like, praise God that, <laughs> praise God that you were, you were called, and your process looked much different than yeah. the person across you, from you in this office who, yeah, you know who who got it. But um, yeah,
0: yeah. I think I'm glad that you brought up the idea of a paradox because I think it's we live with this tension, like. So, uh, so what the Bible doesn't say is that therefore, you know, the universe is deterministic or fatalistic. The Bible, the Bible never says that. Yeah. So I'm going back to like the jumps that we make. Okay. God's in control. I guess it's just impersonal fate or determinism. Nope. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you as a human being are still held responsible for all the decisions you make. And then. Humanly speaking, then we go down all these rabbit trails, but how, why am I held responsible if God is yeah. providential over everything? It's like, because the Bible teaches both things and it, this can be the frustrating part. I actually find it quite beautiful that the Bible just lets you sit in the tension of both. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so, so if I'm, if I'm held responsible for all the choices I make, then God's not in control. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's both and, like you yeah. said. like, And think about the Christian faith. There's so many seeming contradictions that are both and. Like we just, yeah. in theology class, talked about Jesus being fully God and fully human. He's 100% God, 100% human. He has two natures. And yet, we as human beings f- f- throughout the last centuries have argued about how could this be? Okay, God must have laid, Jesus must have laid aside his divinity to be fully human. Nope, he didn't. He yeah. was fully God. Well, how how could he be a baby and grow in wisdom and stature, and yet he knows everything? I don't know, but he's fully God and he's, he's fully man. man. And the yeah. Bible teaches both. And we just live yeah. with this attention. Even the Trinity. Yeah, it's like God. Okay, so there's one God. Yep, and he's three persons. Yep. So there's three gods. Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay, so he's a third, a third, and a third. No. Nope. No. Nope. Each person is fully God. So there's three of them. Nope. There's one. Right. And so. Yep. Yeah. There's this beautiful paradox where you go, uh, you cannot and you will not fully explain it. Now that doesn't mean just oh blindly believe. No, we use reason and and we're. God ra- gave us a brain, <coughs> rational beings. But you get to a certain point where you go, I gotta believe by faith. I just can't figure this out fully. Like, yeah, and I think that's actually quite beautiful. Like if you and I could figure out and explain absolutely everything about God, you would be God. Yeah. So it's good that there's certain things that we go, man,
1: I just can't figure it out. <laughs> and I, I hear like, there are some people uh, who will teach that if you have opposing views on an issue like this, that you're a heretic for either side, I've heard it said. Sure. Um, I, I think that the, it doesn't matter which side of this, You know, debate you'd land on or get closer to, or whatever you want to say. uh, I would argue that as long as you're not going to the extremes, like the people on the Calvinist side who are like, yep, I never have to tell anyone about Jesus because they'll just come to Jesus because they're predestined, blah, blah, blah. I would argue that that's false and dangerous. And like we said, Arminius have dangerous things as well. Uh, If you go to the like absolute extremes, But I would argue that we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. Like totally. Hopefully, most you don't have people, to argue that. Yeah, <laughs> most, I love you. Most people in that tension, I would argue, like obviously the people that go far outside, maybe not. But the people inside that tension, we are a family. We are the bride of Christ. Yeah. And so the the unity doesn't come because of John Calvin or John Wesley. The unity becomes comes because of what Christ did.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Right. Yep. And so the gift of God is that we have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. End of story. Totally. Right? And that's what unifies us. Yeah. It's not, can we have deep debate about these things? Yeah. And we probably should. Yeah. But it's not what saves you. Yeah. Right? Being converted to Calvinism doesn't save you. Being converted to Arminianism doesn't save you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think one guy told me, you know, there's, you know, uh, he says, there's certain things that we just dismiss. Like meaning as like we don't need to talk about this because it's not relatable, meaning like, okay, so, you know, a Jehovah Witness saying I'm a Christian, too. We would just dismiss that because you don't believe in Jesus. Right. The same Jesus I do. Yeah. Then he said there's certain things that we debate uh, or no. Sorry. There's certain things that we discuss as Christians, Mm -hmm. things that are like. whatever. Juicer wine for communion. Sure. Yeah. yeah, things that we just discuss and it can be interesting. Yeah. And then he said there's certain things that we debate as Christians. And again, that can that um that can be more serious things or whatever, but we're still Christians. And then he says there's certain things that we divide over. Yeah, maybe dismiss wasn't it. It was discuss, debate, then divide. Mm. And divide would be a Mormon saying, "I'm a Christian too." No, you're not. You 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 That is a clear division. Yes, we are dividing from you. So I think This whole debate is one that we debate because it's interesting. It's good. It sharpens us, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even I think of the guy in Maple Ridge, like my coworker. We were clearly on different sides of the debate. Um, I thought he was wrong. He thought I was wrong. He's still going to heaven. Uh, He's still my brother in Christ, even though we staunchly disagreed over this stuff. And yet I never once thought, like you're not even a christian it was like no you just i think you're wrong Mm -hmm. but let's talk about it like and you have a different view and maybe i can learn from it and hopefully you can learn from me and and then at the end of the day it was just kind of like okay we disagree and i think yeah
2: the the disagreement it it's too narrow and it's too like one thing i love about you know the christian life is that if you have this disagreement or debate (laughs) on one topic I often say, well, okay, for you to argue that, you'd have to be okay with these three other elements. Like, you'd have to then wrestle with, well, what do we do about evangelism if it sure, doesn't matter? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how do we ignore the Great Commission if it's irrelevant? Mm-hmm. And then you can have a really f- robust conversation, yes, in the, the context of, yeah, we're brothers and we're yeah. both going to heaven, but we're going to argue this out. It's yeah. It's quite interesting. If it's respectable, and I think that goes back to last week on should we have christian debates in public forum well what's the nature of that do we truly care and i think that's what's been bothersome about <clears throat> some folks who come with an argument who are not willing to engage in the conversation and who've made they <laughs> they've made predetermined decisions on how the the relationship's going to end and unless you agree with them then there's a breakdown sure that's not healthy either so i think to your point, if you're going to have this conversation and be willing to go into debate, then at least go in respectfully. Sure. Giving yourself a window of like, is there something I'm missing? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So I think to maybe summarize, uh, unless you had something, you took a deep breath there. Um, I I think, yeah, there's lots of examples in scripture where it's this tension of God providentially doing what he does he's in control he causes nations to rise and fall he turns people's hearts wherever they he wills like you see examples of that and then you see people held i mean responsible for the things that they do i mean pharaoh's a great example (coughs) because you see um, god harden his heart many many times and god says i'm gonna harden pharaoh's heart so that my name is great among the nations and then you see Pharaoh hardening his own heart and Pharaoh dies in the end because right, he drowns in the sea. I'm assuming because I'm assuming he went out with his armies, but maybe not. But anyways, he, his son dies, all these, he's yeah. held responsible for the things that he did. Yeah. Judas is a great example. The Bible says Judas was predestined to betray Jesus. God chose him. You're going to do what I need to happen so that Jesus goes to the cross. Yeah. And yet he was guilty for uh, Joseph's
1: brothers selling him into slavery Joseph's brothers selling right? him even even joseph says it's in uh, genesis 50 verse 20 he says what
0: you meant for evil yeah, yeah as
1: for you you meant evil against me meaning their choice to sell him into slavery and trick their father into that he had died you meant evil against me but god meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to yeah. keep my people alive yeah
0: And I I think the biggest example is in Acts chapter 2, which is the death of Jesus. Like Peter's preaching to these Jewish people, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Why was Jesus delivered up? Because God planned it. And then he says, You... He's like talking to the Jewish people. You crucified and killed uh, by the hands of lawless men. So you see both. Right. And I'm sure the crowds could say, well, if it's the plan of God, why are Mm -hmm. we guilty? He says, because it's both. Um, God planned it. God ordained it to happen. And yet you are the ones who killed Jesus. You're held responsible. And so that's the I think that's the clearest example, like the worst act of evil in human history. God predestined and planned it out to happen. And yet, who's responsible for it? The people who killed Jesus. It's yeah. it's both happening at the same time. So you got to live in this tension a little bit of like, <clears throat> uh, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both and. And it turns your brain into pretzels sometimes because <laughs> you're like, I can't figure it out. And I think that you're right. There's, a tr- there's an element of truth to that. But then you just yeah. kind of rest in, okay, God's sovereign. He's in control. But my decisions matter. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, I think Paul actually wrestles with this in the book of Romans quite, yep, totally. quite beautifully, honestly. Because you have passages like in the beginning of Romans where he says that God has given the people up to their to their own lust, their own desire. Yeah. Uh, but those people were choosing to do that, and God gave them up to it. But in Romans chapter nine, um, he's talking about how, like, he he quotes uh, Jacob, I loved, but Esau, I hated. Uh, What what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So then... It's like he predicts the arguments in the, the, like, our line of thought that goes with this. Will you say to me then, why does he still find fault? Like, for who can resist his will? Yeah. But who are you, oh man, to answer back to God? <laughs> God's will. God. Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Yeah. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of it the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Mm-hmm right? What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath? Like,
0: and it's the same as in Job, right? Job's like, why are you doing this? This isn't fair. And I'm God. And God says, all right, ready? Put your big boy pants on. And he doesn't answer him. He says, basically, I'm God. You're not. Were you there? Then shut up, Job. And Job goes, you're right. I repent. My bad. Yeah. Like, so, we sometimes think like God, you must explain. And God's like, uh, excuse me? Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: And so then the, the
0: other thing that has come to
1: mind, I, I heard it uh, said, and I don't know if we want to flesh it out, but one of the, like, we read passages like that, and yet we are free creatures, right? God has created us as such. I, f- I think it's quite interesting because with a lot of things, we're okay with it. So, when we talk about the attributes of God that are uh, communicable or things that we can even see, so like humans are capable of love, God is love, humans are capable of anger, God is capable of anger, the Bible says. So, all of those things, we're like, yep, and we're okay with the tension of saying God does those things perfectly, we do not. God is free to do what he wants, and we are free. But our freedom is not like God's freedom, and that one, for whatever reason, yeah, we're like, totally. no, can't be. Yeah. And to me, I, I like, I really then wrestle with why would I be okay with not being able to perform any of those other things perfectly, whether I was right. fallen or or to the full extent that God can, whether a fallen creature or if Adam and Eve had never sinned, sure, they still wouldn't have fulfilled those things perfectly. And yet, when it comes to freedom, that's the one that snags me as like, mm. no, I, I can't see that. I have to have freedom equal to gods.
0: Sure. Yeah. And
1: I, I yeah, I think that that's something that has to be a paradigm shift where we then view, right, we are a created creature, right?
2: That's the last sentence on this article I was reading. It said, but at the end of it, pride is what'll, what'll uh, accentuate your idea yeah. of free will. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like, it's we have this idea that in order for m- my freedom to be real freedom god's not allowed to touch it like that's a that's just a w- weird way to word it but that's literally i think what we think like god I- in order it is a pride thing i think where it's just like god's not allowed to be in control of my life because then i don't have any free will and it's like the bible never says that the bible says you have free will to make decisions yeah. and yet God is actually in control of everything that you do. Yeah. And it's both and good luck trying to So, figure it so out I to think like, <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys. I'd love to end
1: with just a couple of practical stories that show the balance. Because I know we have tons of stories in scripture, obviously, that show the balance. Sure. But I think sometimes, you know being able to take the principles that we see from scripture and then with that lens, put it onto our lives. I think that can help us frame our, our yep. thought around it. So I'll just quickly, I don't, you guys can finish off too, but I, I don't know. I'll finish with a couple stories. One, we had that chili cook off here at the church a while ago. We decided be a good idea. Let's do a chili cook off. It'll be great. Andrew and I decided some prizes. We're like, this will be cool. Let's get a tablet as first prize. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was a nice little tablet and we're yep. like, cool, this will be great. The families chose to get into it. I don't know that we announced specifically what the gift was to everyone. Maybe we did. I think
0: we did. Okay. You know, it's a tablet.
1: So we announced it. Great. The families chose whatever. So the way it ended up working out is one of the family that won chose that they were going to enter the chili competition. They chose which ingredients they were going to put into their chili. They chose how they were going to cook their chili, how long they're going to cook their chili, how they're going to transport their chili, where they're going to place their chili. All of these different things they chose. Then we brought it to; they brought it to the competition, and people chose their chili. They ended up winning. Yeah. And this family was looking for a way to gain a piece of technology that they couldn't afford to get one of them through school or through yeah. some of the courses that they were taking. And God providentially brought it to be that yeah, through someone this came chili to me competition. And said,
0: Did you plan that? Because. We know that that family, one of them, is leaving for like this three-month stint at a schooling thing, and they were stressing about yeah. they needed a tablet and some headphones, and that's exactly and what that's they exactly want. What, and I said, I did not plan that, but God clearly planned that, and <laughs> yet they had the
1: choice to do totally. it. Totally, that's a great example. So that's that's yeah. one where I like, y- and there was yeah. Peace in Chile. Yeah, it was pretty good chili. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> it blessed those around them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: totally. And so then another, this one's a funny example. Uh, I don't think she'll mind if I share it. My wife used to try and get outside of the God's providence. Uh, so what she'd do, <laughs> is she would like be standing in the He'd yard. Marrying you? Oh, no! I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what she'd do is she'd According stand in, in their yard and she'd like look and she'd be like, okay, well, God knows everything and everything that I'm <clears> going to do. And so she would like think to herself to try and trick God. She'd be like, I'm going to go stand over there. And then she'd like quickly hop to the other side and be like, ah, but God knew I'd do that. <laughs> but she chose to make that jump. Right. I, it's a, ch- it's did a your cheesy play example, play by
0: yourself a lot of times.
1: <laughs> it's a cheesy example, but it's one of those things where she still did choose to make that jump. Totally. And yet, yeah, God did know. Totally. Right. And so that's that paradox. It's both. And
0: yeah, I mean, I'm sure people listening could have story after story. We all around this room have stories of where you go. Man, the things that happen, it either you believe in luck or karma, which is bogus, or God is providentially in control of everything. How else? It's not chance that yeah. certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's stories. I'll, I'll share one last one because I know Cam's got to go to work. Uh, so I was listening to a sermon and there was a, a missionary who was working in India And uh, he was friends with a another, you know, native Indian guy. And uh, this guy would ride the bus, not the missionary. The other guy who was not a believer would ride the bus and have great conversations with the bus driver. And the bus driver was a Christian and and would share things. And and then he said, you should go talk to this missionary and he'll answer some questions that you have. So the guy made an appointment. He goes to the missionary's house and uh, he goes in. And on the wall, you know, when you have, a, you know, a picture of Jesus, we always joke. It's Obi-Wan Obi- Kenobi. Obi- One Kenobi. There was a picture <laughs> of Jesus on the wall. And the guy comes in, he's having his tea, and he looks up and he goes, where did you get that picture? And the missionary's like, oh, it's, I've had it forever. It's just, you know, a picture of, of Jesus. And the guy goes, that is a picture of my bus driver. Why do you have a picture of my bus driver on your wall? Oh, weird. Yeah. And so here you have... Okay, Wild. Jesus is driving the bus, <laughs> and then this guy goes to this missionary and he's on the wall. Like all of these things that you go, man, God <clears throat> clearly was drawing Wild. that man to himself because then the missionary shared, that's that, okay, you, Jesus showed himself to you. That's not the bus driver. Let me tell you about Jesus. Like clearly, that's not a picture of, of actual yeah. Jesus, but let me t- yeah. share. And the guy became a believer. Like, so stories like that are just endless where God providentially works things out to draw people to himself. And it's just incredible. So Mm -hmm. we should wrap it up. Episode 97. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and listening. And like, I want to mention it because I know a few people. God have, knew you would. God knew you would listen. You were predestined <laughs> to listen to episode ninety-seven. But you also chose these. So but you also thanks chose. Thanks for these. <laughs> That's a great example. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, just to remind you, people who have sent us questions, we are going to get to them. Uh, we haven't forgotten. We're not ignoring them. But uh, we'll get to them eventually. But thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.